Well, I want to just help you think this morning about fear and courage and kind of unpack that in a moment. But what does in, in common, does people like Roger Bannister, and so I know some of the young people here are going to look at me and go, who? Um, Edmund Hillary, yeah, uh, Yuri Gagarin, have in common? No, not the spoon, no, 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 no. So what's Roger Bannister famous for? Four minute, well, running under the four minute mile. Do you know, it was at that point thought that you couldn't do that. It was like, that's why it was such a big news event back in 1954. But you know, since then, over 1,600 people have now gone under that four-minute mark. Edmund Hillary and um, Sherpa, they were the first to reach Mount, the summit of Mount Everest. Since 1953, when that was accomplished, over 6,000 people have climbed the summit of Everest. And Yuri Gagarin, not the spoon bender, um, he was the first guy in space, okay, in 1961. Since then, and obviously we've got to thank for things like technology and so on, but over 570 people have now been in space. <clears throat> what happens is these, these people are courageous in their kind of the disciplines, the things that they were training for. And what courage does, it breaks down barriers and it leads others to follow. It sparks something in people. It does something where actually if you can do that, then I can do that. And what this world needs more and more of is courageous leaders. We need to see more and more people who are saying, no, I'm going to persevere. But if we have courage at one end of the scale, at the opposite end is fear. And what happens, we're going to look at the scripture in Numbers chapter 13. I haven't got it on screen, so if you've got your phone, please make sure you open a Bible app, not start looking at social media. All right, if you've got your Bibles um, in good old-fashioned paper form, then Numbers 13 um, is it near the beginning of the Bible. And it's a story of really, as we've um, gone through the book of, uh, if you read through the book of Exodus, we read about that God's people, the Israelites, the, um, the, the Hebrews, have, have actually been enslaved in Egypt because they're a threat to Pharaoh, uh, because they're just growing and prospering in numbers. So he makes them slaves. And in the book of Exodus, we see that, that God calls Moses to return back to Egypt and to set his people free. And what happens is we know that that happens and there's miracle upon miracle that, that actually provides food in the, in the wilderness. And we get to the point where actually God is leading them to what we know as the promised land. And what we're going to look, read through this morning is, is actually look at where, where fear and courage meet, meet together and look at the differences. And then at the end of this today, the application, I want it to be a, a place of actually helping you to think, Actually, we want to be a church that is increasingly courageous. We want to be individuals that are increasingly be courageous wherever we are, whatever we do in our day to day. Do you agree? Yes. Yeah. Good. That's good because that's what that's. If not, we'd just kind of like just go back into like singing, and we'll end there. Um, but in uh, Numbers 13, we get to this point where where actually this is a pivotal moment. This is a really, really important moment, and it and it just begins with this. It says, "And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying." Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the children of Israel. From each tribe of their fathers, you shall send a man, everyone a leader among them. And then it talks about um, actually the fact that they gather these, these 12 different spies and go through the different tribes and names. But the point is here, what does God say? He says, for the land I'm giving them. 
It's a promise from God. So hold on to that. God speaks and it's a promise. So it says in verse 16 to 20 of chapter 13, it says, and then these were the men that have just been listed who Moses sent to spy out the land. And Moses called Josiah as the son of Nun, which is uh, Joshua. Then Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and said to them, go up this way into the south and go up to the mountains and see what the land is like, whether the people who dwell in it are strong or weak, few or many. Whether the land they dwell in is good or bad, whether the cities they inhabit are like camps or strongholds, whether the land is rich or poor, and whether there are forests there or not. Be of good courage and bring some of the fruit of the land. Now the time was the season of the first ripe grapes. So Moses sends out the twelve. God is saying to Moses, there's a promise. What does Moses say to the spies? Be of good courage. Be of good courage. Again, store that one in your mind. The promise from God, be of good courage. And then in verse 26 to 27, the spies have gone out. They've seen everything. They've seen the the giants. They've seen all these amazing things. They see the fruit of the land. They see that it is a really fruitful place to, to inhabit. But this is what happens. Verse 26 to 27, the feedback session to to Moses and to the people starts really, really well. They departed and came back to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel. And they brought back word to them and all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. Then they told him and said, we went to the land where you sent us. It's truly flowing uh, with milk and honey and and its fruit. And so that's where I want to just stop for a moment. Because they're giving a really good report. They're saying, look, look, it's, it's rich. It's fertile land. It's the fact that actually this is where, you know, this is all looking really, really good. But there's a moments in the Bible where there's certain words where you need to just kind of sit up and look and take note. And one of these words is in verse 28, where it says, nevertheless. Whenever you get in the Bible, nevertheless, however, but, all those kind of therefore, there's, there's something about to suddenly shift. There's a kind of like, uh-uh, just need to be aware of this as well. And this is where the report goes from starting really well to going downhill very, very quickly. This is what 10 of the 12 spies reported. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. Uh, The Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the mountains. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the banks of the Jordan. I just want to shift to verse 32. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which had spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants and all the people whom we saw it are men of great stature. Then we saw the giants, and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight, and we were in their sight. Could you imagine at that moment, like, this is really, really good. We, we can show you the evidence of what, what the land's like, but nevertheless. And you could imagine everyone like, huh, kind of moment. Because fear started to be sown. 
fear, we were like grasshoppers. And so what happens is, is from this, this, what potentially should have been a good report, be of good courage, is what Moses said. And they'd forgotten that. And these 10 spies gave a bad report. But then we have Caleb and Joshua. And Caleb, in verse 30 of chapter 13, he says this, he quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. The world needs more Caleb's. The world needs more Caleb's when we, we the church needs more Caleb's. The church needs, and when, when we need people that will say, let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. Did Caleb and the 10 spies see the same thing? And I want to come back to that one in a moment too. Because it's important that they saw the same thing. And in Numbers 14, this is the result of the bad report, because sadly, they didn't listen to Caleb. They listened to the majority. In chapter 14, 1 to 4, this is the consequence. So all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried, and the people wept that night. And all the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron, and the whole congregation said to them, if only we had died in the land of Egypt, or if only we had died in the wilderness. Why has the Lord brought us to this land to fall by the sword, that our wives and children should become victims? Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? So they said to one another, let us select a leader and return to Egypt. Can you see the consequence that when fear is sown, what begins to happen? No one is looking at God. In fact, there is only a couple of people looking to God at that moment. At that point, people are just filled with fear. And again, we get Caleb and Joshua joins in this time, where in verse 6 to 9, this is what they said. They said, we were among those who had spied out the land, and they tore their clothes. And they spoke to all the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, the land we passed through to spy out is exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into this land and give to us a land which flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord nor fear the people of the land, for they are our bread. Their protection has departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. And all the congregations said to stone them with stones. Now the glory of the Lord appeared in the tabernacle, and the story goes on that God is obviously very disappointed with the people that are rebelling. Here's a key verse. The Lord, in, in verse 9, the Lord is with us. Be of good courage, the Lord is with us. When we stay focused, and that's why when Steffi brought that verse about Psalms, about praise, what does praise do? It, it turns our attention to him. And in those moments when we are filled with fear, dread, or, or whatever's going on in life, that's something that just hits you, and, and you know what it's like because it starts to fill your, your mind. You know, you're agitated by something. Somebody said something to you, and it's discouraged you, and it just begins to fester in you. Other things take place, and, and what happens, because I do this, I begin to take my eyes off God, because I just want to, I just feed my mind on this, and my heart starts to kind of just look away from God. That's why we need, we need to be friends in a church community, because we need people to nudge us and say, oi, 
draw your attention back to God. If you know him really well, you can say, oi. If not, they might just need an arm around them and just say, can I pray with you? Arm around them, not a headlock. All right, that's, that's a, although that could be a really good kind of prayer ministry response. We'll lay hands on you or get you in headlocks, depending on what you come to be prayed for. But in all seriousness, we, what we get from this story is that both courage and fear are infectious. But the two have very different end results. Fear will want you to retreat. Courage will want you to advance. And my question, one of the questions I want to ask this church today is do we want to be a church that retreats or a church that advances? We, we want to advance. But we can't advance if we're filled with fear. We can only advance if we're full of faith and full of courage. You see, in Numbers 13, the giants, the enemy, the people that already possess the land, are huge in stature. But let's not forget that God is infinitely bigger than them. And where do we put our trust? It's in God. We cannot lose. We're in the, on the winning side. So I want us just to break down and look at fear and actually how fear does impact us. And then we'll get to the good news because I want us to make sure we finish talking about courage and faith. So the word fear in this passage means to be intimidated and terrified. When that happens, we begin to have very irrational thoughts and beliefs. Thinking about that retreat mentality. The 12 spies all saw and noted the same things. They all brought back evidence of the grapes. But 10 of them saw the giants, and they forgot the part where Moses said, be of good courage. They forgot. That's what fear does. It, it makes you want to start. You, you just forget about the stuff that actually we know what is right and what is true. But fear starts to sap us of all that stuff. In fact, what fear does, it sucks faith out of us. That's what it does. Fear distorts the truth. Yes, as I said, the residents of the land were massive in stature. And they would have been stupid to just go into that land if they didn't have God with them. We would have said they were idiots for thinking, why on earth would you try and get in there? Have you seen how big they are? In your own strength, it would be really unwise and stupid to try and take that land. But there's one key ingredient in this. God says the land's there for the taking. God says, be, or Moses said, be of good courage. But those 10 spies forgot it and they begin to feed this lie. In Numbers 14, verse 3 to 5, it talks about this fear that spreads and infects almost every single person. As I say, these irrational beliefs, you know, how crazy it is to say better to return to Egypt and be slaves again. Could you imagine Liberation Day 1945 and those days that followed where the residents of the, of the island said, do you know what? I know you've come to liberate the island, but we prefer to be occupied. We preferred actually to be under Nazi rule. I've never read or heard a story where someone said, I preferred it that way. That's the kind of thing they're asking for. They're asking for, actually, we were, we've been liberated, but we actually want to be 
under occupied rule again. We want to be harshly treated. But that's what fear does. We can read this and go, how crazy that is. But actually, that's how fear feeds us. When we're under that, that rule, we begin to not think about our relationship with God, and we begin to think about things which are really, really unhelpful. As I say, it eats away at our faith. We want to run away. And this distorted perspective to return to slavery is actually something that I think we can slip a little bit into. I'm not saying anyone here wants to return to slavery. But actually, the whole world of nostalgia. In fact, you talk about retro. Retro is a big industry these days. Um, we think about our childhood memories when we think about all those. And, and actually, people are making a lot of money from that. But nostalgia, I believe there's a really good part of nostalgia because it is good to talk about history and, and in, in the sense of our experiences growing up and all that kind of thing. But it can actually begin to feed kind of doubt and fear about today. When we talk about nostalgia, we can have a very distorted view. So often we would hear that, and I'm sure you might have said this yourself, but I'm sure when I was growing up, every summer holidays was sunny. We spent every single day on the beach. Who's heard that? Who said that? I can tell you, back in 1994, I broke my wrist. Maybe it runs in the family, this, uh, this thing, all right? In 1994, and I broke my wrist at the very beginning of the summer holiday where I let go of a rope swing up at the get. Can I recommend you do not let go of rope swings, okay? Um, and at the very beginning of the summer holidays, I was going to be in a cast, which meant I was going to be, that was it. I was not going to be allowed to go in the sea over the summer. Do you know, I didn't miss out because almost every day it rained. Thank you for your empathy and all that as you... Uh... But can you, can you, can you see, actually, we, we can have these beliefs that many years ago it was much better. All those things can seep in. We can say that about church. Do you remember those years ago when church was like this? And again, there is a lot of good kind of um, things that have happened in the past which are feeding today. There's a lot of really good things that we can hold on to and we treasure but it can stop us from advancing. That's what can, can happen. And so my, my challenge to you and for me when I was just preparing this is, are we fear feeders or do we encourage courage? Do we feed fear or do we put courage into people? That's what encourage means. So our words, our actions, we can put courage into people. And let's be genuine about it. And let's make sure that we don't feed fear. Because as I say, in Numbers, in the book of Numbers, we can see the tragic results. That fear wants you to retreat. And you're going to be thinking about irrational things as you go. One of the things that has also been happening of late, I've had conversations, not just here, but with clients at my other job that I, uh, with, and with family members. They're beginning to say, I'm, I'm, and I do this now as well, limiting how much I follow the news. We know that, that things like the BBC News, Sky News, BBC News traditionally was very much like they were going to give you news. But because it's now a business, they're the first on the scene. They want to feed you and feed you with whatever's going on. And I've got more and more people that are saying they're, they're stepping back 
and including social media and how much they read. I don't watch traditional news on TV. I've got the apps, so I just I can pick and choose. And I'm, I'm reducing the amount of time I'm looking at the news because I'm I find that in the end we start to ask the question: Is the world getting worse? No, the world's always been like this, but we just get exposed to much more um, up to the moment. You know, an event happens, and within a minute, you could be in the know. That's that's how it works now. And when you think well, over the last well, when we, whenever Brexit happened, I mean, God, that was a long time ago now. But you remember the, the time that Brexit was just to kind of each and every moment about telling you about how awful or how amazing and all those kind of things were happening. Then COVID arrived. Um, COVID comes and then, and then Putin decides to invade um, the Ukraine, but which, by the way, according to him, is not war. Um, you know, you get all this kind of stuff. We get exposed to that. And then... All that world news stops because the Queen passes away. And do you know, for about two weeks, no other news happened? Obviously, in, in the Ukraine, the war stopped for those two weeks because, uh, you know, that, that's kind of stuff we were bombarded with, and rightly so in the sense of the Queen. I think it just got a little bit too much. But as soon as the funeral was done, we then had the interest rate rise. And can you see in life these, these roller coaster moments of, of actually, can we have a breather? Nope, we're going to pound you with some other news now. These rates, the, the whole thing about your, um, your heating costs. Roads closed in Guernsey. You know, I mean, it's, it's things that get to us. But what happens, whether they are major worldwide events or really actually like road closed, it's not the end of the world, really, is it? In fact, it would be great wouldn't it, if the BBC News at 10 o'clock came up and it just said, Rose closed in Guernsey, that would be such a great delight. But, but actually, I just want to say, be careful and be more, and maybe just need to be aware, is fear being fed into your life? And it might be people that are around you, so you might need to choose to either have to have a conversation with them or limit the amount of contact you have with them, or maybe it's things that you, you can't know. I really like watching the news. I'm really okay with it. Just, just pray and just ask, God, is there anything that I'm finding that is beginning to dominate my thinking, that is beginning to fill me, fill me with fear? Because what happens, fear will want to make you retreat. And we have got a short time on this earth where actually God calls us to advance and to be full of courage and to be trusting him. And I know as you get older you become much more aware of your fragility of life. So we have got to advance. Being fear-filled should not be an option. And if you are filled with fear, or you're carrying something that, I want to say, go and ask to be prayed for. It's really, really important. We don't want to hold on to the sense of, no, I'm okay with it. No, you're not okay with it. Don't be British and polite. Be courageous and say, no, I need to have prayer for this. And we'll have an opportunity at the end as well. So what about courage? Let's cheer you up a bit more, all right? Courage, God said, the land I'm going to give to the children of Israel. Moses said to the 12 spies, be of good courage. And we've already talked about what happened to the 10 spies. You see, Actually, what they were concerned about were the giants, and all Joshua and Caleb were interested was in the size of the fruit. As I said before, they saw the same thing. But Joshua and Caleb chose to look at the fruit. 
and look that the land is good, ready to be taken. They trusted God. They believed in him. And the only option that you can have when you trust God and you are in faith and you are in, and being courageous is that you advance. You move forward. And courage in this passage means to be strong, to rally strength of character and to take hold. And I know Chrissy, when she shared the vision and the, and the changes, which I'll touch on a little bit later on, is that it, it is like passing on the baton like a relay race. That when we talk about the older people can get alongside the younger people and mentor, encourage, disciple, whatever, is that our role is to pass on the baton. It doesn't mean that you just say, oh, well, like in a relay race, I've handed over the baton, I'm now just going to go in the changing room and just, just sit and just let them get on with it. No, in a proper relay race, what happens is when they've passed on the baton, they're still on the sidelines cheering them on. They're rallying them on. Come on, you've got this. But it doesn't mean that that's it, you stay on the sidelines. Because we need each and every age group in this church, whether they are a child or one in the older group, you've all got a part to play. And your words, your actions can fill people with courage. You might think, well, I, I can't really offer much. You can offer loads. You can offer loads. We just need to keep our eyes on the fruit. In verse 30, Caleb says to the people, let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. Well able is a bold statement by Caleb. You know, he doesn't carry any extra strength than what the other 10 spies had. Him and Joshua don't, don't carry anything extra. The only thing they do have is faith in God. And that's the best thing you can have. So their faith was, was generating courage to say we need to advance because we are well able to overcome it, not in our own strength, but because God has given us this land. You see, when God speaks, he means it. And we, if we know anything about our Heavenly Father is that he doesn't play games. He's not half-hearted in his words. He's not a liar. Our God fulfills every single promise. And he loves it when his people step out and trust him. And isn't it interesting? And I, I, I kind of guess this was going to happen. When I said at the beginning about, can you name a fear? This room erupted with lots and lots of conversation because we carry lots of experiences or things that we got kind of phobias and stuff like that. But the moment I said a moment that you were courageous, it went a lot quieter. Now I can guarantee in this room, there has been tons of courageous moments. We'd probably just need to go away and just think about it a little bit more. And you'd be quantifying, is that really courageous? Or was I just kind of like, no, I was the only one in the room that said, I'll do it, so I'll do it. No, that actually, when you start to think about being courageous, actually, there's a lot in life that you've done. Maybe you were the only person in your family growing up that gave your life to Christ. Do you know what? That's courageous. Maybe there was a moment that people were talking down about somebody. Everyone around you was talking down about somebody, but you chose to be different. Do you know that's courageous when you act differently? And the list goes on and on where you step out and say, no, I'm choosing to be different to what this world says I should be like. Sadly, the end result of the story in Numbers is that those 10 spies die 
that generation never got to live out the promised land with the exception of Caleb and Joshua. In Psalm 27, in verse 14, in fact, I'll read verse 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? And at the very end of that um, passage of Psalm 27, it says, Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. And then Psalm 31, verse 24. This is the, same, the courage is the same meaning in numbers as what we are reading out in Psalms. 31, verse 24. It says, Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart, all of you who hope in the Lord. What happens in the story of David and Goliath? The Israelite army are on top of the valley looking down and they are being ridiculed by this, this giant enemy. Goliath is just taunting them for about 40 days, 40 nights, and nobody wants to go and take him on. David turns up, a teenager, and he goes down and he defeats the enemy. And the moment God's people see the giant has been slain, what do they do? They advance and they defeat the rest of the enemy army. One man or one person's actions, courageous act, not in his own strength, which David recognizes. He recognizes it is all because of the power of God that he overcame the enemy. What it does, it releases something in people. If you can be courageous, so can I. It's infectious. Where fear wants to make you retreat, courage makes you want to advance. So just kind of thinking about what do we do here as a church, as a community? I believe that, as I say, when we encourage one another, genuine encouragement, it feeds us to want to advance. It wants us to put our step forward, not step back. And the way we overcome fear as we advance, then these are things that I think we can do. I just want to give you headings. To be of good courage. To trust God. To move forward. Take new ground. And we do that and we will see greater fruit. Not for our fame, not for the name of Shiloh, but all for the name of God. All the name of our Saviour, Jesus. And as people see that as we are courageous and step out and we, and, and we pursue the fruit, that fruit is that we'll see more people come to faith. We'll see more miracles take place. We will see things happen because God's on the move, because we say we trust him. It comes back to what Steffi read out before. As we praise him, it turns our attention to him. And in Acts 2 verse 1, it talks about believers being with one accord in one place when the Holy Spirit came. And this is an encouragement before we just wrap things up today, is that this is an encouragement for you as a church, an encouragement for me, is that we don't get to do this on our own strength. What did Jesus promise before he ascended? He promised the helper, the advocate, the comforter who was going to come. And it's the very presence of God that lives in us. So like Caleb and Joshua said, let's go and possess the land, they knew they weren't doing it in their own strength. They were doing it because God had said we have the absolute joy and privilege to know that through the gift of the Holy Spirit coming upon us, we have the very presence of God 
that leads us. And we don't have to do things in our own strength. 